in time can do so much. Are you still mine? Okay, we're back. Oh my god, 40, it's 47 days since I've been in quarantine. 47 days. I feel like I could have accomplished so many more things. <laughs> but it's okay, we're all just trying to survive. We're trying to survive. And as you can tell, I am not doing well because... The only thing I have on my mind is the classic Righteous Brothers song, Unchained Melody. Why? Because it makes me think of love I may have lost. I don't know. Will it be mine when Quar is over? We'll see. We'll see. I mean, things are a brewing. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, <laughs> it's Sunday night. It's Sunday night, May 3rd, 2020. Um, I'm going crazy and, uh, I'm back on the pod, you know, um, I haven't wanted to make any content at all during quarantine. Honestly, I'm kind of on the fence about this. <laughs> like, I honestly don't think comedians should be doing anything right now. Um, I, I, listen, I'm not going to talk shit about like Zoom comedy shows, but let me just say that is not the art form of stand-up comedy. And maybe you should take a break, okay? Because if you can't get on stage and just like, you know, get back to where you were before, maybe you're not good at this, okay? Wow, talking shit already. Um, <laughs> someone offered, someone asked me to do a Zoom show and I got fucking offended because they they were like, oh, there's, um, there's tips. And I'm like, tips? Like, so you're not going to pay me anything to just get on the fucking thing? Because I don't want to do that. Like, I have, I have three jobs right now. And most people, not most people, but a, a good chunk of people are unemployed. So yes, I am doing well, as one may say. Um, but for some reason, I just don't feel like going doing a Zoom comedy show for no money. I just don't understand. I and I'm refraining from because I think it's disrespectful. I think it's disrespectful to people who are actually suffering. You know, I'm not going to go on and on Zoom and talk about my pussy when there are bodies being tossed into mass graves in my hometown of New York City. I'm not going to do it. Uh, I'm currently sipping on a uh, Simpler Wines uh, Italian sparkling wine, the white variety, available at Trader Joe's in a four-pack for $3.99. Does it get the job done? Yes. Okay. Uh, the last few nights I have been drunk uh, because what else is there to do besides drink and reflect on all of your regrets think about people you love and uh, just stew for a bit, you know, or you can binge television, which I've been doing a lot of as well. Hold on. Let me get a sip of this sparkling wine. Mmm. <laughs> delicious. Okay. Um, yeah. Day 47 in Quar. Um, nothing much has changed. I, I mean, I feel fine. Like, you know, I'm doing Pilates. I'm meditating when I can. Uh, I think I've lost weight in core. Oh, trigger warning talking about um, weight. Um, 
Yeah, I and I think it's because I'm just not going to bars because I think, you know, going to bars, I mean, drinking is just like it's just liquid sugar, like alcohol is just liquid sugar. I am drinking, though, on on the weekend sometimes to keep some semblance of normalcy. I've also been on some birthday Zooms, you know, drinking. Everything's fine. Um, So what have I accomplished? Um, I've been working every day at home. Which is fine. I mean, it could be worse. I uh, can't complain. Um, I've I've been getting paid. Everything's fine. Um, let's see. I've been reflecting on all of my past regrets. Uh, the fact that I'm 33 years old in quarantine. I mean, I mean, I've I've seen some people panicking. They're like, I can't waste being 25 years old in quarantine. It's like, oh my god. I remember when I was 25, and I thought like everything was so important but it's not uh, <laughs> like you when you're 25 you think your your life is so fucking important but you're you're an idiot like you don't know anything you know 25 was long before you know i had like some pivotal moments in my life that taught me what it meant to like be a woman you know like to you know to go through like a horribly abusive relationship Actually, a couple abusive relationships, if I'm thinking about it. I actually, I was looking through my diary. Well, I found a diary from, uh, I think I wrote in it. So I wrote in it in August 2012. So I was 25 years old when I wrote in this diary. And I saw an entry in there and I couldn't fucking believe it. You know, I, I don't have no memory of writing this at all. But it was about my boyfriend at the time, Dave. Okay, and he said something to me that I wrote down, and I, I'm shocked that he said this to me. He literally said to me, you'll never find a man who treats you well because not even actual hot girls find that. That is so fucked up. Like, who says that to someone? And I... And I wrote in my journal that I felt like it was my fault. So obviously he was gaslighting me and like trying to get me to think that I was worthless or something. But I remember like the biggest problem we had on our relationship is that we never had sex and I would constantly complain about it. And I think he tried to blame it on me. But in reality, he couldn't get hard because he was on drugs. So... I mean, it was his fault. And he is no longer with us. And honestly... I'm glad that relationship ended. (laughs) Wow. I like, I cried so much last night after I read that. I like, I couldn't believe that 25 year old me was writing that down. And like, think about just like how scared and, you know, lonely I was writing that probably. Oh man, I've done so much, you know, therapy and and self-work to know that, you know, whatever he was saying was like so inappropriate and just an attempt to control me. You know, I, I told my mom that this guy was emotionally abusive a couple years ago and she was like, oh, I don't speak ill of the dead. Well, mom, shut the fuck up. See, my mom doesn't know how to listen to this podcast, so I'm going to say whatever the fuck I want to say. <laughs> but she has some like crazy idea that uh my boyfriend was just like such like such a great guy when in reality he was an addict and had addict issues and I was so fucking young and inexperienced to even understand what was going on you know and looking back on it that's like so fucking scary to for me having gone through that 
um, at such a young age. I mean, 25, like it doesn't sound super young, but it is, you know, I can say now at 33 that I was just like a child, basically. Um, so yeah, I, um, I'm glad that that's over. Um, <laughs> and the fact that I found that in my old journal, oh my God, like, so it makes me feel though that I have accomplished a lot in that time as far as, you know, just like working on myself, working on self-esteem, you know, figuring out that I am, you know, worthy of love, you know, which is such a huge thing that so many people struggle with and never seem to resolve in their lifetime. Like I would never be in a situation like that now, you know, I can recognize these red flags like immediately. So that's a good thing. Um, let's see. So in quarantine, what have I been doing? Uh, pretty much just, you know, thinking about uh, what I want to do when I get out, reflecting on uh, whether or not I've met the love of my life. I think I have. I, <laughs> I think I know who the love of my life is. And this realization is crazy okay um I think they know that also they could be listening I don't want to get too detailed but if you're listening hey uh the second quarter is over we are having sex and we're having sex all night so just like be prepared for that because that's what I want okay (laughs) and this person did ask to have sex during quarantine and I was like honestly Okay, the way I reacted was kind of not the way I should have reacted, like thinking back on it. Because honestly, if a man does ask to have sex with you during quarantine and you've already had sex, like just think about like how good your pussy must be that this man is willing to risk getting COVID for your pussy. Like your pussy is so fucking good that a man is willing to possibly be on a ventilator fighting for his life just to like feel inside of you. (sighs) You know what I'm talking about. Um, (laughs) So, but that's only one guy who asked me that, which is fine, you know, because I've only had sex with one person in the last, uh, what year is it? Okay, so it's, um, oh my god, I've only had sex with one person in the last year and a half, and I, I mean, like, P and V sex, like, making out and stuff, I mean, who knows the numbers, um, they could be up there. I was in Europe last summer, folks, so (laughs) there was some making out in Europe, just no sex, um, and a fingering, um, folks, listen, yeah, so when you've had, you know, 47 days in quarantine, and, you know, you're thinking like, oh my god, like, I could possibly perish, you know, you're left alone with your thoughts a lot, and if you don't know that you're in love with someone by the end of quarantine, like, you're not in love with them, (laughs) I really think that, I mean, I've just been, like, thinking like, oh my god, like, I love that person and it's stressful because I don't want to go through that again I don't want to tell someone I love them I guess I have to though I guess I have to I guess I'm going to be brave I'm very brave I'm going to tell someone I love them eventually oh man 
uh yeah speaking of covid i've seen a lot of comedians say like hey i was really sick in january or december or whatever i had a really bad cough blah 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 i think i have covid and guess what folks uh, none of these people have been saying this based on science but the good news is is now in los angeles county if you're listening to this and you're in los angeles county which you may be because that's where i live you can now uh, go get a COVID test if you have symptoms or no symptoms. And you can also get antibody testing. And the reason I bring this up is because one of my enemies, hold on, need a sip of wine. Mm. Yeah, so someone who I consider to be now one of my mortal enemies, he has been posting being like, yeah, I think I had COVID in January and blah, 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 blah. And listen, I have respect for all body types i really do i'm no um i'm not the thinnest woman on earth god knows and this man (laughs) he's like one of the fattest men who's ever lived no shade but i i'm also saying this just because it is factual i and he thinks he had covid and i'm like there's no way you had covid you would have been knocked on your fucking ass if you had covid and you know, I feel fine saying this because this guy yelled at me on the phone because I was 15 minutes late to something once. And quite honestly, ever since he yelled at me on the phone, I have had zero respect for him (laughs) as a person. And now he's on my shit list. See, that's the thing about me is like, I get along with most people, but it just takes like one like slight little thing that someone does i mean unless you're like someone who is like putting your dick inside of me and you know that i'm like usually blinded by dick but um it takes like one like slight thing for most people to like fuck up and then i'm like oh no like they are dead to me and this person is dead to me even though he's not literally dead even though he would be if he did have covid so i hope he gets an antibody test i will uh ask him the next time I see him. Actually, I don't want to see this person in person ever again. Even though the last time I saw them, he talked to me like nothing happened. Like we aren't in the biggest feud ever. I mean, the feud is probably in my head. It's not like I threw down a literal gauntlet and was like, we're in a feud. But in my own mind, we are in a feud. And um, he will know that the next time I look at him, I'm going to glare into his eye when I'm because he'll only be able to see my eyes because we're probably going to all be wearing masks when we're allowed to go outside again. Um, Social media. I've been on social media way too much. Uh, I have been refraining from posting on Facebook, but I do, you know, read the drama. So many people I know are just like mentally ill and posting on Facebook all the time. Um, And the thing that I look at Facebook for is just um, I go to the videos page And for some reason, like, I'm constantly being recommended Dr. Phil clips. (laughs) Like, Mark Zuckerberg knows that I love dramatic Dr. Phil clips. And I'm honestly kind of offended. um, Because there's this recurring one where... So I guess it's, like, clips of different episodes that just, like, pop up, like, every so often. They're, like, five minutes long. And there's this one with the controlling father who, like, you know, he punishes his children by, like, leaving them outside in the cold for hours and you know he just like is yelling all the time and they're 
son is a drug addict who overdosed and was in the hospital and almost died and the daughter has like body image issues because the the father is always telling her that she's a fatty and i'm like oh my god like this guy is like my father except worse i mean this guy seems like meaner than my dad which is crazy because my dad is like pretty bad he was pretty bad um yeah but Dr. Phil apparently is up my alley because every time I see one of these clips, I have to watch it. And um, there's this other woman in a recurring clip who she claims to be an empath. And she said that um, she like literally breathed life into a dead fish and it came back to life. <laughs> and I don't know. I don't think that's what being an empath is. I thought being an empath is just like feeling other people's feelings. It's not literally like you know, bringing things back to life. Like, that's just not how it works. And then there's this other guy who, um, who he weighs like 700 pounds. And <laughs> I'm sorry to laugh at that. <laughs> but the way they, the way they frame the story is so ridiculous. So like, he's like living in his parents' house and he's in his room and, you know, he's like constantly like smuggling in like snacks and sodas and stuff. And his dad says like, oh, well, he's allowed to have one uh, sugar soda per week as a treat. I'm like, oh, my God. You know, but apparently this guy, like at one point he had been overweight. He had been like 400 pounds and then he got back down to like 200 pounds and he was doing like weight loss videos and stuff and, you know, like giving speeches and being an inspiration for people. And then he just like gained the weight back and then some. So that one is targeted at me as well. I wonder why. Thanks, Zuck. Um, yeah. So I watch the Dr. Phil clips, you know, when I'm procrastinating. Of course, I've been, you know, binging some television. I think that's what we're all doing right now. But I did start watching The Sopranos. And which is, I had never seen an ep a single episode of The Sopranos before quarantine. I'm currently in season four of The Sopranos. No spoiler alerts, please. Um, except I do know about, you know, some of the big deaths that are coming because I keep going on, like, I'll Google the character and I'll go on, like, The Sopranos wiki just to, like, see, like, who the character is and what episodes they're in. Um, but I like the show. I think it's actually really good. See, I don't the way I'm saying it, like, yeah, it, <laughs> it's one of the, it like started prestige television. Like this is the show that made like Sunday nights on HBO, like the thing, you know, and I can say I, I get it. Um, there is an episode where they name drop my great uncle, um, Carmine Galanti, you can Google him if you want. Am I allowed to say? Yeah, I, I guess it doesn't matter. Yeah. So he was my great uncle by marriage. And he was a boss in the Bonanno crime family. And they mention him in an episode. Um, because like he, what he's like kind of like notoriously known for is the way he died. Like he, he was killed by a hitman, obviously, as most of these guys are. <laughs> And he um, he was killed um, outside at a, a restaurant in, I want to say it was in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Um, this was in 1978, I want to say. I'm going to pull it up. Um, but there's like a pretty like famous picture of him like laying there dead and he's been like shot through both of his eyes. Oh, yeah. Okay. July 12th, 1979. Okay. Bushwick. So... 
he uh was yeah a banano uh crime boss and they called him the cigar because like he would always have a cigar in his mouth and um (laughs) there's actually so much interesting stuff about him on my uh on his wikipedia page so it says here um camillo carmine galanti was born on february 21st 1910 oh is he a pisces in a tenement building in the east harlem section of manhattan uh his parents vincenzo galanti and vincenzo russo had immigrated from uh, Castellamar de Golfo, Sicily, to New York City in 1906, where Vincenzo was a fisherman. Okay, blah, 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 blah. On February 10th, 1945, Galanti married Helen Maruli. That is, okay, so Helen was my grandfather's sister, uh, by whom he had three children. Okay, 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 okay. Very interesting. Very interesting. Damn. Oh, wait. I think Angela messaged me on Facebook. I'm not sure. I have to check. <laughs> um, so so he was in prison for a while. And so this is what happened. Um, in August 1930, Galanti was arrested for the murder of police officer Walter de Castilla during a payroll robbery. However, Galante was never indicted. Also in 1930, the NYPD officer Joseph Minahan caught Galante and other gang members attempting to hijack a truck in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. In the ensuing gun battle, Galante wounded Minahan and a six-year-old bystander both survived. On February 8th, 1931, after pleading guilty to attempted robbery, Galante was sentenced to 12 and a half years in state prison. On May 1st, 1939, Galante was released from prison on parole. Okay, so he was in prison for eight years. Okay, that's a while. That's a while. (laughs) And it says here, while in prison in 1931, doctors diagnosed Galante as having a psychopathic personality. Sounds like my father. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Let's see. Um, In 1943, Galante allegedly murdered Carlo Tresca, the publisher of an anti-fascist newspaper in New York. Oh, Antifa. Uh, Genovese, living in exile in Italy, offered to kill Tresca as a favor to Italian President Benito Mussolini. Genovese allegedly gave the murder contract to Galanti. On January 11, 1943, Galanti allegedly shot and killed Tresca as he stepped outside his newspaper office in Manhattan and then got in a car and drove away. Although Galante was arrested as a suspect, no one was ever charged in the murder. After the Tresca murder, Galante was sent back to prison on a parole violation. On December 21st, 1944, Galante was released from prison. Okay. Uh, This is where it gets like pretty hot okay because i think this is when my so my dad was born in 1943 and my dad said that like he would go to canada a lot when he was a kid um with his cousin and his cousin was obviously um carmine's son 
and so here it says uh, in 1953, boss Joseph Bonanno sent Galante to Montreal, Quebec, to supervise the family drug business there, where he worked with Vincenzo Cortoni of the Cortoni crime family, oh, Cortroni, and the French Connection. What is the French Connection? Does that, that's like the heroin trade? Let's see. The French Connection was a scheme through which heroin was smuggled from Turkey to France and then to the United States and Canada. The operation started in the 1930s, reached its peak in the 1960s, and was dismantled in the 1970s. It was responsible for providing the vast majority of the heroin used in the United States at the time. Okay, yeah. Uh, The operation was headed by Corsican criminals Paul Carboni and his associate Francois Spirito, blah, 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 lots of Italian names. Okay, yeah, so this must be where the Gene Hackman movie, uh, The French Connection, is from, obviously, right? Because, you know, it has the same name. Uh, I've never seen The French Connection with Gene Hackman. Gene Hackman, though, I think he was, like, so hot. Mm. Let's see. The French Connection uh, is a 1971 American action thriller film directed by William Friedkin. The screenplay written by Ernest Tiedemann is based on Robin Moore's 1969 nonfiction book, The French Connection. It tells the story of New York Police Department detectives Jimmy Popeye Doyle and Buddy Cloudy Russo, whose real-life counterparts were narcotics detectives Eddie Egan and Sonny Grosso in pursuit of wealthy French heroin smuggler, Alain Charnier. Okay. Okay. So then my, my uncle, my great uncle, uh, let's see, we're back to him in Montreal. The Bananos were importing huge amounts of heroin by ship into Montreal and then sending it into the United States. Police also estimated that Galante was collecting gambling profits in Montreal, Worth about $50 million per year. Wow. I've seen none of that money. <laughs> Trust me. If, if, if I, if my parents had any of this money, like I would not be doing this podcast in my studio apartment right now. I would not, I'd have better things to do right now. Um, let's see. In April 1956, due to Galante's strong arm extortion tactics, well, I mean, you could you could imagine what he was he like chopping off limbs and shit to get money. Okay, the Canadian government deported him back to the U.S. In October 1957, Bonanno and Galante, I I, forgot, I don't know how to pronounce this. It's like it's not a capo, but it's um. Let's see, <sighs> what is oh. Consigliere, so counselor is the the ranking. Oh, it's on the same level as boss in a mafia family. But then there's underbosses, and then under underbosses are capos. And if you if you watch The Sopranos, Tony is a capo when the series starts, and then um, he becomes underboss and then boss. Okay. Let's see. Uh, where was I? 
Okay, they held, Bonanno and Galanti held a hotel meeting in Palermo, Sicily, on plans to import heroin into the United States. Attendees included Lucky Luciano and other American mobsters, with a Sicilian mafia delegation led by mobster Giuseppe Gencaruso. As part of the agreement, Sicilian mobsters would come to the U.S. to distribute the narcotics. Galanti brought many young men, known as Zips, from his family home of Castellamar del Golfo Trapani to work as bodyguards, contract killers, and traffickers. Damn, this shit's crazy. Uh, <laughs> nuts! Let's see. Blah, 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 blah. He was in prison again for, let's see, uh, narcotics charges. Okay. Uh, oh, let's see. Galanti's first narcotics trial started on November 21st, 1960, and one of his co-defendants was the infamous William Benteva, uh, Billy Batts, who was murdered by Tommy Simone. From the beginning, the first trial was characterized by jurors and alternates dropping out and coercive courtroom displays by the defendants. On May 15, 1961, the judge declared a mistrial. The jury foreman had, quote, fallen down some stairs at an abandoned building in the middle of the night and was, able, and was unable to continue the trial due to injury. Galanti was sentenced to 20 days in jail due to contempt of court. On July 10th, 1962, after being convicted in his second narcotics trial, Galanti was sentenced to 20 years in federal prison. Well, that sucks. Uh, <laughs> okay, uh, let's see... In January 1974, Galanti was released from prison on parole. Uh, following his release from prison, Galanti allegedly ordered the bombing of the doors to the private mausoleum of his enemy, Frank Costello, in St. Michael's Cemetery, who had died in 1973. Is Frank... So that's the guy from The Departed, right? Frank Costello? Let me make sure. Blah, blah, blah. Okay, well... Not okay. The film The Departed features an Irish mob boss named Frank Costello in present day Boston. Nicholson's character is not related to the real life Costello except in the name. The character was based on Boston mobster Whitey Bulger. Okay, well, that makes sense. Okay. Uh, here's, here's, here's the important part. Blah, blah, blah. During the late 1970s, Galanti allegedly organized the murders of at least eight members of the Gambino family, with whom he had an intense rivalry in order to take over a massive drug trafficking operation. Okay. Uh, let's see. The New York crime families were alarmed at Galanti's brazen attempt at taking over the narcotics market. Genovese crime boss Frank Thierry began contacting Cosa Nostra leaders to build a consensus for Galanti's murder, even obtaining approval from the retired Joseph Bonanno. In 1979, they received a boost when the official boss, Rastelli, sought commission approval to kill Galanti. Joseph Massino, a Bonanno so soldier loyal to Rastelli, 
relayed the request to the commission, who swiftly approved a contract on Galanti. See, I'm like imagining uh, in John Wick where they like process the contract and they're like, um, yeah, $10 million on this person. Okay. On July 12th, 1979, Galanti was killed just as he was finishing eating lunch on an open patio at Joe and Mary's Italian-American restaurant at 205 Knickerbocker Avenue in Bushwick, Brooklyn. Galanti was dining with Leonard Coppola, a Bonanno Capo, and restaurant owner and cousin Giuseppe Toronto, a Bonanno soldier. Also sitting at the table were Galanti's Sicilian bodyguards, bodyguards Balsadere Amato and Cesare Bonventre. Uh, at 2.45 p.m., three ski-masked men entered the restaurant, walked into the patio, and opened fire with shotguns and handguns. Galante, Toronto, and Coppola were killed instantly. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay. A picture of the murder Galante showed a cigar still in his mouth. Oh, yeah, this is interesting because it says Richard K- uh, Kuklinski. He's the guy who, um, he goes by the Iceman. He was that hitman. Um, there's a movie about him with Michael Shannon. But um, he claimed that he murdered uh, Galante. But they said later that that's not true. It says um, mob expert Jerry Capecci dismissed Kuklinski's claims as mostly demented ramblings. So this was a pretty um, famous uh, mafia murder. Yes, it says here, the HBO show The Sopranos refers to Galanti's assassination in the episode A Hit is a Hit. Tony Soprano is playing golf with his neighbor, Dr. Bruce Cusimano. After someone asks Cusimano if he's ever ever saw the picture of dead Galanti with his cigar hanging from his mouth, Cusimano describes the murder as a, quote, fucking beautiful hit. And I'm related to him by marriage, uh, so that's nice. Um, <laughs> that's nice. Yeah, so I have been watching The Sopranos. It's good. Um, I find Tony Soprano to be pretty attractive. And I think it's because he's like a provider, you know, like he just he just makes shit happen. Like he takes care of Carmela. He takes care of his kids, even though like he's kind of mean to them. Like there are some parts where like Tony is like a total asshole to them. But... I think Tony is like way nicer than my dad and my dad is also named Tony. And uh, yeah, I mean, I have three more seasons to go and I guess that's it. Um, Let's see. Oh yeah. Update on 90 day fiance before the 90 days. We did talk about this show the last time I did a solo pod, Um, but I just want to talk about the character big Ed. I don't know if we've talked about him before. This man is disgusting. He has no neck. Um, I know it's related to an illness of some type, but every time he's on screen, like he just gets worse and worse. And poor Rose, this poor young girl from the Philippines, like who obviously just like wants a better life for her and her son. Like Big Ed is so crazy because he's like, oh, I just like, I don't want Rose to be using me so she can go to the United States. But it's like, look at you 
And look at this poor girl. Who cares if she's using you? Because you're also using her as like a sex toy. Like he's just constantly like treating her like a sex object. You know, he bought her lingerie and she's just like staring at the lingerie. Like, what the fuck is this? The fact that she has to touch him just like it makes me so sad for her. And then so last week there was a part where... Um, Big Ed told Rose to brush her teeth and he like gave her like um, toothpaste and a toothbrush and he's like well she has this um, she has this odor coming from her mouth and Rose tells him that it's not her breath that she she has a stomach ulcer and that's where like her bad breath is coming from and I didn't know this before but I guess that's true is that you can have like chronic halitosis from having a stomach ulcer which actually like makes me wonder about a lot of people I've known who have like really bad breath I'm like maybe it wasn't their breath maybe they like had an ulcer so you know I learned something new and I feel so bad for Rose uh But, you know, Ed, like, when Rose tells Ed, like, I have a stomach ulcer, he's just like, oh, like, he, like, doesn't even care. He's not like, oh, well, how can I help? You know, what what treatment have you had for it? You know, stuff like that. He just doesn't give a fuck. Like, he just sees Rose as, like, a whole, basically. So, you know, Ed, guess what? If she is using you for you know, to come to the United States, then you're lucky because you're a mess and nobody wants to be with you. So I know you're never going to listen to my podcast, but I just wanted to let the people know what I think of you. Uh, I don't have anything to plug. Does it matter? Does anything matter? I actually think that, uh, I think that, the quarantine is going to end sooner than we think. People were saying like, oh, this, we're going to be inside till July or August. But I think they're already like lifting quarantine in some states and seeing what happens. Um, And I think Gavin Newsom is supposed to announce something within the next few days. So I don't know. Um, Currently, the California stay at home order uh, ends on, I want to say May 16th. So we'll see what happens uh, and if we're out of here by May 16th. Personally, I'm fine if it goes to like June because I've saved a lot of money. So um, yeah, I guess that's it. You know, stay healthy. Uh, don't get COVID for dick or pussy. Unless like you really have to. I mean, honestly, at this point, what I risk getting COVID for dick probably because I've been so careful for so long. I don't know. I I wouldn't be shocked if like I had antibodies, but I don't know. Who knows? Maybe I'll take a test. We'll see. But you know, when core is over, first thing I'm gonna do, I'm gonna I'm gonna make love to a man who I enjoy very much. And I'm going to go to uh one of my favorite bars in Los Angeles and have a salty dog because I deserve it, you know? And I'm going to support local restaurants ongoing. I have been supporting local restaurants. Last night I had a takeout from El Compadre. So support El Compadre, uh, the one on uh, Sunset in Hollywood. They are reopened for uh, takeout. So, 
go take advantage of that. Okay, um, I guess that's it. You know, follow me on the socials at Fixter Heather on Twitter and Instagram. Stay safe out there. Wear a mask. Six feet social distancing. Don't be like the guy in line at Target last week who was standing two feet behind me and vaping without a mask because he's a bad guy. Okay, have fun. Stay safe. Oh, my God.